0: Hi, and welcome to episode 25 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Melanie Poe Talk. M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P, speech language pathologist, uh, joining us. Melanie treats children birth to teen who have difficulty eating. Melanie's advice has been shared in a variety of television and print media, including the New York Times, Huffington Post, and Parents Magazine. She is the co-author of the award-winning Raising a Healthy Happy Eater, a stage-by-stage guide to setting your child on the path to adventurous eating, and Baby Self-Feeding, Solutions for Introducing Purees and Solids to Create Lifelong Healthy Eating Habits. Her popular food activity book titled Adventures in Veggie Help Your Kids Learn to Love Vegetables with 100 Easy Activities and Recipes, is based on the research and Melanie's 20 years of success as a pediatric feeding therapist. Her children's storybook includes tips for parents on how to use pretend play to encourage adventurous eating in kids ages 2 to 6 years. You Are Not an Otter, the story of how kids become adventurous eaters, And all of Melanie's other books can be found on Amazon or at her website, melaniepotok.com. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Well, Melanie, first, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited for you to join us.
1: I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to talk about a lot of fun things, especially kids and food.
0: Absolutely, because <laughs> that's what we both do all day, right? Yeah, all day. <laughs> all day. Um, well, first, I want to talk about your new book that came out. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and the inspiration behind it?
1: Oh well thanks well, I'm really excited about this one it the manuscript has been on my desk for two years, and I just couldn't find the right illustrator because this is my first children's book um as Hallie as you and I know i I've written a few books before, and um I've never had a children's book though, and this has always been a dream of mine, so it's finally come to reality and it's called You Are Not an Otter. The story of how kids become adventurous eaters and I'm, I'm beyond excited about it especially now that the holidays are upon us and um, there's just so many opportunities for us to really sit down, cozy up by a fireplace and read our kid a good
0: book. Yeah, I love it. And I've, I've already read it to my daughter and she's like, more, read it again, read it again. Aww. And she is my picky eater who I've talked about on the podcast that you know, we're doing early expansion and all and had big tonsils. And actually now her tonsils have shrunk down um, with the elf in her mouth, which is pretty cool. She's only had it for two months. Um, but anyways, <laughs> she's becoming a more, um, a less picky eater, I should say. And she's becoming more... She's exploring more, and she wants to try new things. And she sees us eating things, and she goes, "Can I try?" And I'm like, "Who are you? What have you done with my child?" (laughs) Um, And so I think this book came at such a fun time because now that she is already into the idea of exploring and trying new things, she really, really is. I think it's it makes sense to her. You know, she's reading this children's book about these different animals and how they eat and how, you know, we either eat like them or don't eat like them. And it's just, it's pretty cool. I really love it. Oh,
1: that is, that's so neat. And you know, you, you hit the, hit it right on the nose because the book is really designed for parents to read it to their children. The kids can read it too. You know, it's, it's got some good early language skills in it, some early reading skills that go along with it. I can't help it. I'm a speech therapist. So I'm going to put that stuff in there. But it's really designed for parents to sit down and read with their kids because my mission is to help parents really spark the conversation about healthy eating, especially if they have a more hesitant eater. But it's for all kids. It's for kids ages two to about seven where that period of pretend play which is a big part of this book, really, really helps children learn. That's, that's the primary time between the ages of two and seven where children engage in pretend play the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you had mentioned you've always written you know, books for the adults, right? And so this was your first for for a child, which is fantastic. And I actually personally feel like it's a great tool for me as a feeding therapist to use in therapy with kids and to introduce it to parents that way as well. To you know, sit down, read it in feeding therapy, talk about it a little bit, and then the parents can you know hop on Amazon and purchase their own copy to continue continue reading it at home. Um, so thank you for that.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And you know, I, I did make a Kindle copy as well, an ebook version. And um, lately, there's been a lot of um, information in the news, as you know, about screen time and kids and how we really need to be careful to limit our screen time. But what they're talking about there is screen time where the kids are alone staring at the screen. Correct. Not a parent engaging with a child over an ebook. Yeah. However, you'll be happy to hear this too. Um, less than one percent of sales and sales have been really good on that book are for the ebook. Everybody's That's buying the paperback. Yeah. Really? So that makes me happy too, but I'm glad we have both options.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's nice to snuggle up with my little four-year-old at night and read a book in her bed. And so I love having the paperback copy for that option. But I, you know, when we travel and things, it's nice to have books that she can read also on like a Kindle or an Amazon books or something. So I love that. Sure. As the option is there
1: even to have the Kindle app on your phone and download a book that the two of you can sit and read together before lunch comes from the waiter or, you know, you just need a few minutes to keep them entertained, but it's still interactive.
0: Right. Exactly. It's that shared reading where you're not just, you know, giving them a device, but you're doing something together. That's a great idea actually for, you know, if you're in a restaurant and you want to entertain your child a little bit and you still want to use your phone, but we're not just handing them, YouTube and going, Hey, here you go. And ignoring them or that. doing, you know, it's a shared reading activity. I love that. That's a great idea. Um, now I know that you have all your other books. Are there any, um, anything that like a parent, cause I know parents sometimes listen to the podcast. Um, if they say, Oh yeah, you know, I want to grab that, that children's book for my child. Is there another book that the parent can grab for themselves that you would recommend from your collection of, parent books?
1: (laughs) Well, sure, sure. I have four other books. Um, The one I typically recommend uh, right away is Raising a Healthy, Happy Eater. It's called Raising a Healthy, Happy Eater, A Parent's Handbook. So Namali Fernando, who's a pediatrician in Virginia, and uh, myself wrote that book together really as a parent guide to setting your child on the path to adventurous eating about 70% of sales are speech therapists, occupational therapists, registered dietitians, pediatricians, Mm -hmm. health professionals, but they're then sharing it with parents. And Mm Raising a healthy, happy eater really walks you through the developmental process of how kids learn to eat. And that's what parents sometimes don't quite understand unless they have the background that we do. They're great at parenting, but they don't understand that eating is actually developmental and not all kids just learn to eat. Just like not all kids just learn to walk. They sometimes need a little bit of help to boost those skills along. So that particular book is an award-winning book, um, and we have over 50,000 copies in print. Um, It's in four different languages. Uh, It's a really, really popular resource for both parents and professionals.
0: I love that. I love that. So that's a great suggestion. And I'm also going to put in a plug for Adventures in Veggie Land because that's one that, you know, and, and I've, I've had the opportunity to see you and Amali live um, at one of your courses in Virginia, which was so fun. And I got to taste the yummy food that you guys made for us, which was even more fun. Um, <laughs> and we I came home and started making some of those recipes, but also, you know, Walking my daughter through the adventures in, you know, Veggie Land, your your steps that you provide in that book and just exploring different vegetables and things, you know, has been so much fun and it just makes it fun. And so I kind of want to plug that book too for anybody who's listening.
1: I I just have to say, I'm so glad you mentioned that because the first time I appeared on TV promoting Raising a Healthy, Happy Eater, literally the book had come out like up for about a month. Mm -hmm. So I had my first television spot. And you know what? It was driving home from that TV spot that I was on the road, on the highway, and I said to myself, I know this book is going to be really helpful for parents and professionals, but what's the number one thing that parents want? They want their kids to eat vegetables. So that's what I need to write a book about. And I literally sat down that afternoon and started plugging away at the outline. And two years later, it was on the bookshelves. So Adventures in Veggie Land has 100 easy activities and recipes that parents can use to help their children love vegetables. It's a whole year's worth of 20 different fresh vegetables and every single veggie uh, starts with veggie play. And you might build an asparagus house instead of a gingerbread house during the holiday season. You might build, um, you might make beet tattoos to help kids learn to lick beets. But I give you 20 different ideas in, a diff- in addition to recipes and tips throughout the book on how to encourage children to take tastes of new foods without pressuring them to do so.
0: I know that's why I love it. It's so great, and the the photos are beautiful too. So that helps, but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's such you. a nicely constructed book. But yes, it's exactly it. When we get those intakes from parents, it's, you know, we ask all these different questions, but one of the things that we ask about is, you know, what would what do you wish your child would eat? And yeah. we'll say, you know, what are your top type five foods that you want them to eat? And vegetables is usually a category as one of the five foods. And we're like, no, 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 a food, <laughs> not a whole time. but every parent is like, <laughs> they don't eat vegetables. So yeah, that's, I always go check out this book.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so let's talk like some more about some strategies too. Like how can parents use like pretend play, for example, to play, Um, or help kids love these healthier foods?
1: Well, that's really the concept behind You Are Not an Otter, my new children's book, is I want parents to understand that pretend play is... One of the primary ways that kids learn not only about themselves, but about others and about relationships. And pretend play, we know as therapists, really helps to keep the child's anxiety level down. They relax and they engage more. That's why the best teachers in elementary school use pretend and imaginative play a lot to help kids learn various concepts throughout the day. Well, we can do the same thing when it comes to helping kids learn to love a variety of foods, and be willing to take a taste of something new. So throughout the book, you'll find 11 different creatures and um, all sorts of animals, gorillas, zebras, otters, you name it. And we learn through pretend play and pretending to be those animals, how those animals eat. But then we learn one thing that we can do as little human beings that the animals can't. But I'll leave you in suspense for that one, because that's the last page of the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love it. It's such a great book. Um, So, and I, I even saw, you know, I've seen videos that you've posted and shared in the past, too, where... You've even used like pretend food in like a feeding session with like a toddler or a little one who is just getting into purees and, you know, we're trying to get maybe expand what they'll accept. And so you're dipping like a fake piece of carrot, a fake carrot, a plastic carrot into some puree, or you're dipping a different little veggie into puree and having them eat off of that instead of a spoon. So I think that there's also um, just so many ways that as therapists, we can be creative and, you know, and trying to make it fun. And, and like you said, just making it easy and enjoyable for the child. So the pressure is off. Um, which so the really pressure's
1: love. off. Yeah. And, and our job as therapists is to gently push. We know that, you know, like any coach, I always call myself a food coach. My job is to gently push and help boost those skills. But we also have to make sure that we don't push too hard. So we're, we're keeping track of what could this child do on this particular day. And if I don't think he can manage a real carrot, I might start with a plastic carrot. But if I think he can manage a real carrot, I'll skip the plastic one and go right to the real thing. And that's where feeding therapy, it's really an art, knowing exactly how to read the child and to read the parents, frankly, what kind of day are they having? What could they do today? Is this the day I could push a little bit harder? Or do I need to just sort of calm down and not get too excited because I tend to do that like do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and instead, just really be respectful of that child's sensory system on that particular day. Mm-hmm. And also know that he'll probably do better tomorrow if I know exactly how to approach this. So today it might be a plastic carrot. Tomorrow it might be a real carrot.
0: I love that. I love that. And I, I think that some of these strategies are things that people don't really think about. It's almost like, how do we kind of, take one step back and meet that child where they're at um, versus, you know, like I know as therapists, especially young feeding therapists. Um, and I'm going to mention this. We're actually creating an online course for feeding therapy to help people get started as feeding therapists because awesome. I think there's just a lot of fear surrounding it. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize you can be creative and you can, you know, just what does this child need right now? that might be different than what that child needs who has the same goals. And that might be different. You know, it depends on, like you said, their sensory system and just watching them, seeing how they react to know, like, Hey, can we take a step forward? Or do we need to make, you know, take two steps back before we can, you know, so there's, I think a lot of mindset stuff. Sometimes it goes into this too, into figuring out like, where do I go with this child and what's right in the moment? And
1: Absolutely. It takes a lot of detective work,
0: frankly. Yeah. I love that. You have to be a detective. Absolutely. You do. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so kind of going back to the book a little bit, can you share a few of the tips, um, some of the parent tips that you included in the back of the book?
1: I sure can. So there are 11 animals in all in the book and each animal eats in a different way. For example, the anteater, he sticks out his long tongue and he can eat over 50 ants in a minute. Um, So Obviously, as kids, we can't do that, but we can take a lick. In the back of the book, there's an appendix specifically for parents. And next to each animal's picture, there are different strategies that relate to the story in the book. So for example, the crocodile, what we learn about crocodiles is they don't chew. They just bite off a big old chunk of whatever, and they swallow it whole. So we talk about that, about mindful eating, about chewing and tasting our food. And I even suggest to the parents that as long as it's a safe, squishable, soft food, like maybe a little piece of avocado, see if your kid can't actually swallow it whole. And then ask him, did you even taste it? what do you think that was? And they'll say, no. Well, that's the point. That's the point. And that's how we get to mindful eating. And that's also what helps us learn to become more adventurous eaters. A couple other tips for you. I'll just give you two more. Um, The zebra. (laughs) zebra, Zebras are all day grazers. They graze throughout um, their habitat all day long, nibbling on the same food over and over and over. And of course, in feeding therapy, we run into little zebras all the time, where they're grazing throughout the day, and they really are never on a true hunger schedule. So in the appendix for the parents, I give very specific tips on how to help a child get onto a regular hunger schedule. So they come to the table hungry, but not hangry. And so the the parents know they're going to be okay if they're a little bit hungry. You know, they don't have to have another little snack before lunch. It'll be okay. And then finally, one of my favorite ones, just because I love sloths so much, um, is the uh, illustration with the sloth, where we talk about sloths are extremely slow eaters. Their digestive system (laughs) runs really slow. Uh, I I don't know if you know this. Here's a little fun fact for your six-year-olds. I love this. Sloths only poop like once in a blue moon.
0: (laughs) When I read read that page, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I knew they were slow-moving animals. I have no idea how long it took them to eat something and then digest something. And
1: then digest it. And we all know kids love to talk about poop. So we might as well use it to our advantage, right? Well, and then the parents then have a couple tips in the book about how to talk to their children about eating slow versus eating fast like a cheetah, let's say, Um, and what that really looks like and how there's this in between of enjoying our meal without eating too slow or too fast. So just a few tips for you, but there's, um, uh, as I said, 11 animals at all and way more tips than, than I have animals and they're all in the back of the book for the parents to enjoy.
0: I love it. And I think you're, like I said, I think this is going to absolutely help feeding therapists too, because it's such a great tool and it's you know, it might reinforce some of the concepts that we try to teach in feeding therapy to some of our families. And so if we can then say, you know, oh, hey, by the way, there's this really awesome children's book. And it's, free. you know, we're basically saying similar things. And the more they hear it, the more they see it. And now it's kind of fun because it's in a book. I mean, I'm really excited about this tool, if you can't tell. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to say, this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One thing, a kind of big surprise that um, will be available on my website in the next 24 hours is I'm going to have some free downloads that go along with the book. You don't even have to own the book for these downloads. They'll be on my free toolbox tab at melaniepochak.com. And I'll have a whole adventure map that you can laminate because you know how speech therapists love to laminate. (laughs) And you can make placemats for all your kids in food group or in feeding therapy. Your parents can do it at home. And we'll have a little jungle trail for the kids to travel along. I'll give you a handout of five different ways to use that map. And then we also have matching or memory cards to download as well, cut up and laminate so that you can play memory and matching games with the animals in the book.
0: That is so cute. Oh my gosh. I love, 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 love it. Yeah. They make, I've seen like those different um, trays that they make where they almost look like a little, like you're taking a little journey as you go along through your meal. That's kind of what I was thinking of as you were mentioning what you did. So, yeah, you
1: can definitely use it that way. And one of the things I mention in the free download is I really want to caution parents not to put a treat at the end of the trail. What what oftentimes we think we should do is maybe offer dessert. You know, if you eat your broccoli, you'll get dessert. Or, um, you know, let's eat all these bites and then you can have that M&M. Kids really, yeah, they love a treat. Who doesn't? But they really love more than anything your attention. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the trail, maybe whoever wins the game or gets to the end of the trail first gets to pick a silly dance that everybody has to do in the living room or they get to decide on what the next game is going to be. They get to pick it off the toy shelf. You know, that type of reward where they're just getting more of their parents' attention, research shows it's the attention that's the most reinforcing for children, not the M&M at the end of all the bites.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think some children have been conditioned to expect that they're going to get dessert of some right. form. right? Yeah. And, I mean, my own child, admittedly guilty, um, and we started to shape it into, you know, instead of a sweet dessert, I was like, oh, well, if you want dessert, you can have broccoli or green beans. Which one do you want? So, um, <laughs> dessert doesn't always mean something sweet in our house. Dessert just means something after dinner.
1: <laughs> so, That's great. That's great. I love that strategy. And, you know, you can also incorporate it with dinner. So yeah. just a small sample of a little little brownie right next to the lasagna, that's totally fine. It's actually probably less sugar than if we had, say, ice cream after dinner, you know, a little bit of something with the meal. And on that note, you just made me realize, I think I might add this to the download. When you're going along your adventure map that you download from my website, why not put the M&M in the middle of the map right. and just treat it like any other food, you know, yeah. take dessert off its pedestal, right?
0: Yes. yes. Yeah. Because my daughter even came over from preschool and said, oh, well, I, I said, oh, why didn't you eat? your brownie or whatever. I gave I don't usually give her a brownie, but I happened to give her one that day. And we had baked them together and she was like Oh, well, I didn't eat my healthy food, so I couldn't eat my brownie. And I was like, no. Like, Everything that I'm trying to do in this house just got crushed by what they're doing in a preschool classroom. I was like, I need to have a talk with those teachers. Oh,
1: <laughs> eat the brownie.
0: I was like, I said, you know what? I understand if your teacher said that you can sure. eat the brownie whenever you want during your lunch. That is up to you. But I, you know, but it's also important to eat the green things on your plate and the orange thing on your plate. And, you yeah. know, I don't call it like healthy, not healthy. I call it. No name the color or whatever. Um, and my, my daughter, who's always been a picky eater, two of her most favorite foods were broccoli and green beans, and now she eats asparagus. So <laughs> you're finished, I'm like, I feel like I did something right as a feeding therapist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's such a good point. I love it.
0: Um, so, so kind of talking about those picky eaters, What do you think is the most challenging thing about having a picky eater in the family? Because, I mean, I can talk about it from a personal experience, but I'm curious to know like what your thoughts are on that.
1: Uh, Well, you know, actually before I ever became a speech language pathologist and then eventually got into feeding therapy, I had a very picky eater at home as well. And I can tell you firsthand, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. It's the stress. Yeah. It's it's the worry that you have as a parent that your child isn't going to grow and thrive unless you let her have another chicken nugget, right? Um, it's the stress that comes from not being able to find the right help, and so many. I have gosh, Hallie, I have um, at least half of my caseload right now are kids who are in third, fourth, fifth grade, and they all have avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. In other words, they were the typical picky eater that never, ever grew out of it. And now they have so much anxiety around trying new foods that you can you can cut the air with a knife when I go over to their house. Um, whenever parents say to me, I don't know how to explain to my pediatrician that this is a really big deal. Like he didn't grow out of it. I don't, or, or better yet, frankly, I don't want to wait for him to grow out of it. I want some help now. Mm-hmm. I always say to them, stress to your pediatrician, that you're stressed, stress that you're stressed because that's what will get them to listen more than saying he's a picky eater. Cause a lot of kids are picky eaters, right. but if you're stressed about it, that's the hardest part. And that's what we want to try to resolve, not only for the child, but the whole family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I We get phone calls where the moms will say, I, I just don't want to carry a peanut butter sandwich to every restaurant we go to anymore. I don't want, you know, it's like right. everything in their life. Surrounds, making sure that their child can have something to eat, like, and they can't go out to eat as a family unless they. And it, it's actually been that way up until recently for my family, where uh-huh. we go to Uncle Julio's because my daughter will eat a anything with cheese and bread. So she'll eat yes. a quesadilla, but only a cheese quesadilla, and then they bring the fruit with it. They don't even have veggies, which kills me. Um, and you know, I'm like, well, you can eat some of my veggies that I have over here on the side. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's we have like one of three restaurants that we go to with her because we know that she can find something to eat in the restaurant and we want her to eat with the family. We don't want to bring her food from home. Sure. Um, You know, we want it to be a, a family experience where everybody, but some of these kids that I get can't even do that. They won't even eat, you know, the options at any restaurant, even if they have a peanut butter sandwich on the menu, mom still has to make her peanut butter sandwich from her purse, you know, that she brings with her. And so, yes, stress is definitely what I see too. And these parents who just want to, you know, the the thing that that kills me the most, they say, I just want to have, you know, fun with my child. I just want to be able to go out, run errands and stop at a restaurant to pick up a meal. And I'm like, How much is your life impacted functionally, you know, when you can't even just stop and pick them up like mac and cheese at a restaurant or, you know, or, uh, whatever, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. So
1: absolutely. You boy, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that you're doing, you're doing really good work. And I love that you also mentioned really stressing the stress, right? So if you're a parent listening, or if you're a therapist, who works with a lot of these parents encouraging, you know, other parents to just highlight how stressful it is because I don't think our pediatricians know and they're in and out so quickly and they're kind of looking at everything as a whole and so it's by no fault of their own they don't realize how impacted we are as parents um, or how impacted our clients are as parents unless we really highlight that to them and so they need to know like my biggest issue today is how stressed out I am over my child not eating. And then a
1: pediatrician
0: is going to go, oh, oh, okay, well, let's talk about this. Um,
1: Because they care. They really care. And you're right. But they they have a very, very, very tight schedule and insurance drives it that way. They can't help it. They've got to see a certain number of kids. And um, in order to get them to really pay attention to what your number one concern is, you use the word stressed.
0: Yeah, I love that. Great tip. Um, Okay, so now also I know from having taken your course and just from being a feeding therapist that you you work with kids with more medical challenges, sensory difficulties, you know, so on and so forth. Um, We won't list them all out. Um, (laughs) Yet the book is really for all parents and kids. Um, Why is that? Or, you know, how can it be used equally across various diagnoses?
1: Sure. You know, all of my books are for all parents and all kids. Nothing is a, quote, picky eater book because, again, it gets back to feeding is a developmental process. Some kids do it with ease. Other kids stall for a little bit. And some kids need some assistance from a specialist. What I want parents to understand is what they can do at home, whether their child's in feeding therapy or not, to make sure that they're on the path to a lifelong habit of healthy eating. And as you so beautifully said, healthy eating doesn't mean just eating vegetables. You know, it means being okay with having some cookies. Um, gosh, I have to dark chocolate every single day. And you know what? Sometimes I have a glass of wine too. That's okay. I want kids to embrace all types of of, um, vegetables and desserts. And if family's a meat eater, all different types of meats, all types of ethnic foods, I want them to love food. That's my bottom line. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. I love that because I do have families who come in and they say, you know, they may eat ethnic foods in their family or they may eat, you know, more spicy or more this. And I say, well, we don't. we're not going to say, no, your child has certain, you know, they don't like certain foods. So let's not try these other ones. Like let's try and see how they respond and be open to presenting them to them and having them out there. And, you know, and we kind of walk through like a lot of the sensory challenges, right? Well, if they smell it and they're okay with it visually being in front of them and they can smell it and they don't, they seem okay. Okay. Next let's put it on their plate and then let's see, you know, if they'll taste it and then let's see, you know, and we kind of walk them through step-by-step how to introduce some of these foods that, kids may not just pick up on their own and put in their mouth. Um, and sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll just do that if you present it in a very nonchalant way. So and parents that, go,
1: that is so true. And it's just, it's so hard. You've got to keep your best Academy Award performance on, you know, like your best Oscar nomination performance because you can't act too shocked. You've got to be like, Oh yeah, cool. Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, oh, that's cool. I mean, my second one is we, we laugh all the time because my first one being the picky eater um, who's had some things that we've worked out, you know, oral motor wise, um, you know, even to this day, she does not eat as much as her sister and her sister's 20 months old. (laughs) I mean, Mia is like going to run us out of this house. Like she, and she'll eat anything and everything. I mean, I, and I should have known because as an infant, when she started eating, like she would eat Chinese food and she would eat what a pizza and she would just anything. I mean, anything you put in front of this kid, she'll eat it. And if she has never had it before, she goes, I try, I try, I try. And like legitimately wants to try. And then she goes more. I want more. I want more. We're like, okay, Mia. And she, and it's just amazing to see, you know, the difference between the two of them. And I think I'm also a much more relaxed mom as a second mom. And I, you know, she did have a tongue tie that we took care of, you know, in her first week of life. Whereas my second one didn't have her tongue tie released until she was two years of age, which is, you Uh know, why I started this whole podcast, I think in the first place. Um, But it's just amazing to see the difference between, you know, I think delayed development from a feeding standpoint in my first one and, you know, where we're now getting her back on track as a four-year-old versus a 20-month-old who we kind of made sure right from the get-go that we were doing everything that we could possibly do with, you know, the tongue and um, oral motor stuff and nursing and everything. And just to see how much more willingly she is accepting foods. I think there's something to be said about that as well. You know, that it's okay as a parent, if you have a picky eater, you know, even some of us best feeding therapists have been through this and I was a feeding therapist before I had a picky eater. So the joke was on me. (laughs) Um, I think, I think it's just that message needs to be out there that, we can help you and we can help your child. And I think that, you know, Melanie, you're providing such amazing resources for parents that are so easy to read and so easy to understand and so easy to implement, um, which is amazing because there really isn't a lot of that stuff out there for parents. So I want to thank you for that.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, well, thank you. You know, that's one of the reasons I have my YouTube channel. I don't run any ads on that. I don't make any money from that, but it's 150 different videos, actually way more than that now, Just tips for parents and professionals. So, I really want to encourage professionals listening to encourage the parents they're working with to subscribe to that channel because what they'll do is they'll get tips all the time in their email inbox, and those are the same tips that you're already helping them with in your clinic, in your home health setting, etc. etc. The more ways that these families can learn, the quicker the kids are going to make progress. So, I want to try to offer books videos, online courses, whatever I can, that's going to get us on the path to adventurous eating quicker without adding extra stress.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And thank you. Thank, again, I'm like, I've probably thanked you like five times throughout this because it's so a nice. and a feeding therapist, I've, I have found it very helpful to have your resources, but I also have found it very um, helpful to use your resources and share them with families. And I think families, I think families can become a little bit less stressed and take a deeper breath when they know that okay there's this beautiful resource right here that i can use and you know and and then they don't have to always email their you know the feeding therapist and ask them the same question five times over because now they've they've heard it from the feeding therapist it's maybe in the notes that they receive now it's in the book they've read for you or the youtube video they've seen and i think um we all learn in different ways and the more we hear see smell taste touch you know all the, senses, the more all the senses are involved the the easier that information sinks in and the easier it becomes to access it and use it for your own child. So, um, so awesome. Um, Is there anything else that you want to share with us that we haven't touched on already today?
1: Well, you know, kind of on that same note, you so beautifully brought it up is I really want parents, especially in this age of social media, to know where to go to get the right support, but also The best information, especially in terms of best practice. And I have a Facebook group that is made up of parents and professionals called Adventures in Veggie Land. And all we talk about on there are fun ways to help kids learn to love vegetables. So whether you've got a new baby or you've got a teenager who still only eats carrots but nothing else, and you just want to expand their repertoire of vegetables. Please join the Adventures in Veggie Land Facebook group and you'll learn not only from professionals like yourself, lots of people post on there, not just me, but also, frankly, my favorite part is the parents post. They post pictures and they post their little wins, you know, or they say, hey, I'm having a hard time and all the other parents jump in and say, you got this. It's going to be okay. It's such a good support group. So I hope everybody will join that Adventures in Veggie Land on Facebook.
0: Yeah. And what we can do, I'll add that here and we'll put that in the show notes. Um, so Facebook Adventures in Veggie land. All right. So we will put that in the show notes around, along with the books that we've mentioned today. Um, yeah. Any, any other things you want to share with us?
1: Only then I want to thank you for all the good work you're doing on the other side of the United States. We have, we, uh, have some distance between us, probably 2,000 miles. So I know I just referred two families to you this week. Yeah. <laughs> you so that. That, thank, no, Well, thank you. I, I have the confidence in your, um, your clinic and your home health business, and I have my confidence in you, above all else, running the show. So thank you for all you do to raise healthy, happy eaters.
0: Thank you, Melanie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz on Instagram at at Hallie And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can Also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire, for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.